Hello, wise people. You are listening to the Wise Words Book Club, where we review some of our favorite nonfiction books and we provide you with their key ideas. Not only that, but we teach you how to apply them to the real world and how to benefit from them. If you like what you hear, make sure you click that sexy little follow button and head on over to our website, wisewords.blog, or our Instagram, wisewordsblog, where we upload daily content on all your favorite books. So, without further ado, let's get started. So, should we begin with 12 Rules for Life Part 2? Um, yep. And we are... So, I think last time we went up from... Well, we did 1 to 5, so now yep. we'll be doing 6 to 12. Um, so, our first one, our first one on the list is... Set your house in order before you criticize the world. Do you want to start us off? Yeah, to be honest, this chapter in particular, I've got notes about um, before you criticize the world. He basically was talking about how um, we should look internally first before we criticize external problems. Yeah. So I think his way of saying it is we're all kind of flawed in many different ways, right? And a lot of people tend to criticize outwardly to other people and put responsibility on external things rather than looking to themselves and seeing what they can fix themselves first, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's really interesting because not reading specifically from this book, but even reading that book, I was telling you about like evil or whatever. Yeah. A lot, a lot of that sort of behavior in terms of evil behavior, for example, comes about from this idea of, um, placing shifting blame onto other people and you know um, basically blaming external things for your own suffering or blaming external things for the reason why you're not where you want to be yeah and his point in this sort of chapter was exploring the idea that like we should take more responsibility ourselves uh, <clears throat> because when you start blaming other people it, the logic eventually will get to the point where it's like well the only way you can get to that's the situation you want to have if somebody else is stopping you is to to get rid of them or to yeah. cause them some harm or to get in a fight or whatever um and there's not like as you can see from the internet like there's no uh there's a fair share of trolls online right yeah and this is kind of that sort of thing it's like they're very quick to criticize others and they're not very quick to look at themselves yeah um yeah so for me one of the things i got out of it was this idea of like fixing your life and um trying to look at your life and look at the problems that you have that reoccur and fixing them first before you go along trying to give other people advice or trying to yeah uh, fix other people um but i don't know what you got from this yeah no i'm i'm the same i think like to jump right into it i think it's quite interesting when you consider that you know problems that we come across are new uh usually like multifactorial there's so many reasons for why it's occurring. It's not just like things aren't usually just cause and effect. So binary, like one thing causes this. And I think what's interesting is, you know, when we come across a problem, it's very easy to not approach it and to try and, like you said, you know, push it somewhere else, yeah. you know? Um, and I've been talking about this a lot recently, actually, in regards to, you know, tackling tackling problems head on and how, you know, usually you used to have like before social media and technology and all of that, you used to have this ability to you either overcome it and you get stronger and more tolerant of that problem and can know how like you acquire the tools to, you know, um, solve it next time. 
or you let it like take advantage of you and you know you fall down you go down to hell as jordan peterson talks about it and i think now you have a third option because you you can push it you can blame it because before when you weren't interconnected with the whole of the world you weren't sure whether your problem was just yours or whether other people had the problem Ah. and now with social media it shines a light on every possible problem so now you know that you know in the grand scheme of things what there's seven billion people on the uh, on the world of course they're going to have there's going to be someone with the same problem but now there's like a group identity around that problem okay so now instead of either tackling it or like you know letting it take advantage of you you've now got this third option which is you know to push it to blame it somewhere else because Mm. you can now be like oh well it's not just me other people have it as well and so then and then then, then it's interesting because they all come together and they come up with a reason as a group and it reinforces the reason even if it's not true right and that this is where the conspiratorial thinking is coming i think this is where a lot of the conspiratorial thinking is coming from at the moment don't get me wrong, yeah. but I'm really, I'm, I'm so on the fence this because like at the moment there seems to be binary size around this COVID thing. It's either mm. so real and so dangerous that you're a douche or you're a bad person for not believing in it, or you're the yeah. opposite and it's all about the government trying to take control. And Spectrum. yeah, do you get what I mean? It's, it's either or. There's no yeah. like middle ground where it might be a bit of both. Yeah. Uh, well, this I is find it, it this really is hard it. to navigate the situation at the moment because people are like, it's almost they're pitching sides again. But this is what happens, yeah. like you said, when you you blame somebody, you you have a problem, you you coalesce with a load of people who have the same problem. You then brainstorm what the answer is or the the, the yeah. cause behind it. And then once you settle on the answer, you know, everything that comes into your mind is all about that answer, if you kind of get me. Well, this is it. And I, I think what's so interesting is when you start associ- when you start associating yourself as part of this group that has this problem, okay, and the problem might be justified, okay, I'm not saying anything about that, but your problem then becomes the most important problem. So yeah. if someone else has a problem, then there's this few to be like, well, my problem's worse than yours. And then you end up having this inability to almost trust other people because you're at conflict with everyone. You mm-hmm. know, just because they don't have your problem doesn't mean that they can't understand you and all this. So then you have like, that's why, you know, like we're just saying, such a binary point of view. And you've got Brexit and you've got the 50-50, like, you know, um, in America for like, you know, Mm. uh, Trump and Hillary, you know, all those kinds of things. And you're starting to see such a divide because people think that their problem is more important than the others and that they shouldn't hear out the other person's problem. So to to bring this back to this chapter, I think, you know, for instance, I remember listening to Sam Harris talk about... um, uh, I think it was Black Lives, Ma- uh, Black Lives Matter. And it was really interesting. He was saying that, you know, let's say two people are walking through a um, uh, airport security, okay? And, um, and the airport security guard is having a fucking shit day and he's like, you know, being a bit of an asshole. Now, the white guy goes through, a white guy goes through the, um, uh, the airport security and the guy gives him attitude. And so you think, okay, well, that guy's just a bit of an asshole. A black guy goes through it and you can't just you can't determine whether it was him being an arsehole or him doing it because he's racist because Mm -hmm. it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint and so Mm -hmm. my problem about my my point being that a problem is made up of more than just one thing yes it's like how much percentage does something play a factor yeah yeah and so i think in this kind of rule um uh, set your house in order before you criticize the world 
yeah. I think his kind of point is, is you can't blame other things until you know that you've sorted all your problems out first. Yeah, because like, you don't or, know, or how you contributed to the problem yourself. Well, this right? is exactly yeah. it, because you don't know how much percentage that thing is playing a problem until you know how much of a percentage you yourself are not solving. Sure. You know? I think it, I think it specifically works well for like relationships as well. For if mm-hmm. you're having arguments with your partner, how much of it is actually a partner? How much of it is yourself? Because it does like that old phrase, like it takes two to tango. I'm a big believer yeah, in that. Exactly. Like, um, what what can you take responsibility for within that problem that you're causing some of it yourself? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was. Uh, I think that is roughly exact fact. Not roughly exactly what he was kind of talking about in that chapter, and that was his main point almost. Um, yeah. I mean, for the, oh, that's for me. That's all I got. That was. Um, yeah, I, think, I think well, yeah. it's quite interesting about most of this book as well, which is kind of what I was speaking to you before. Is this this point even here about fixing and the problem and uh, sort of sorting out your own problems first links in with stuff like um, be precise in your speech later, if you get me. Because being yeah. precise in your speech is literally the same thing. It's being precise. Where where is the problem? Like where have you contributed? Yeah. It's being precise. If you kind yeah. of get me. So yeah. we'll get more into that in a second. I think. Am I right to think one of the next one is pursue what is meaningful and not what's expedient? Yeah, um, exactly. These, I mean, to this one, this one for me is just pretty fucking self-explanatory. It's like, um, he's basically saying here, look for the long term, don't look for the short term, almost. It's, it's literally the whole chapter is about, it was linking it back to the Bible, wasn't it? And it was talking yeah. about how um, meaning, you can only have meaning in your life when you regulate impulses and you sacrifice now for the future. So like, if we just followed our impulses at a whim consistently, your life wouldn't have meaning because you're not aiming for something. So his yeah. point is you need to have a vision for the future or like a, or a state which you're aiming for, which yeah. requires you to do like a sacrifice now or to constrain your action to get somewhere. Yeah. Therefore, all meaning comes from this um, pursuing of a greater ideal. So yeah. if you don't have a vision of a better future uh, and you're just going through the your sort of, what's the word? You're going through the motions uh, at a whim to your impulses. Like every time you fancy, you know, eating a bit of sugar, you have some sugar. Or every time you fancy having a drink, you have a drink. Your life yeah. doesn't have meaning because you're giving way to all these um, quick and easy pleasures almost. And his point is well, exactly all good and all meaningful actions come from in your life from sacrifice. So sacrificing the time now to develop a better self, um, which effectively what university was meant to be, this idea mm-hmm. of sacrificing your now to learn more and become better. Um, yeah. But the, like the whole chapter is literally, it can be summed up like that. I don't know if you've got anything extra um, well, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because I think it's a bit of a spectrum because, you know, you can't give up everything in the present just for the future. Yeah. And you can't um, and you can't uh, just indulge in everything now for, for you to have no future. Do you go? I mean, and like, I think there's a moderation. And I think what's interesting is like the whole picture is the present and the future. And I think I made a note here. It was like you you have like um yeah the whole picture is made up of both the present and the future and you add them both together and then try to make the best decision so you have to make a Uh, sacrifice and it's like what the best outcome is and so it's like you looking at both of them to try and figure out well where's the optimal point how much do i sacrifice to get a good a good amount of like in the in the future and i think what's what's interesting is he was kind of talking about you know Sometimes we sacrifice things and it doesn't work out and it's, you know, we don't get the result we wanted. And this can lead us astray because 
it doesn't pay off in our, uh, to our expectations. And so it makes us less likely to sacrifice next time or to try as hard because we think, well, we tried hard last time and we didn't get the benefits that we wanted. And so then over time, we become less likely to sacrifice or we don't try as much. And it's a negative cycle that keeps going on. So we become more and more kind of like impulsive and think less about the future. And impulsivity leads to like pleasure and pleasure is to do with like, you know, addictions and like, you know, drugs, alcohol, all these kinds well, I of guess things. The, I guess the argument you could say is pleasure is one of those things that like could take control of you in a way, mm-hmm. in the sense that like these neural circuits, the whole point when the whole point of the pleasure mechanism is to to reinforce a particular behavior, right? In my head. Yeah. If you look at the biology yeah, behind yeah, it, yeah. The, whole, the whole feeling of satisfaction and pleasure is to reinforce and make you do something again, just like pain. The reason why we feel pain is to stop us from doing something again because it's potentially dangerous for us. Yeah. Therefore, if you're always pursuing pleasure, you are like ingraining these pleasure sort of um, behavior routines. I think it's probably the best way of thinking about it. Like every time you, 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 for example, every time I pick up this, it's quite a nice sugary drink. It's ginger yeah. beer, right? Mm. Like I've just hit the pleasure like circuit, right? And I have chocolate in that fridge as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no bloody saint. Of course but, fucking but yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I'm saying is when it's there, I'm like, I'm almost out of control in the sense that like I will say to myself I don't want it and then I'll yeah. think about it and then I'll think about the pleasure that's going to give me like I almost project my body like this is the incentive reward system I think about the pleasure and that's the cue in itself to then go and get it like the anticipation yeah. back to the yeah. dopamine you know and I go pick it up and that, so this is the point like I feel like the more you get into it the harder it is to get off well, this is it. Yeah. and this is the point you lose control if you keep simultaneously taking pleasure 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 yeah. the whole point is if you take make sacrifices to, to to the future you actually improve your ability to take more sacrifices yeah because you prove to yourself you can do it as well yeah and um, uh, what's interesting to uh relating it to your point earlier on about um the control heuristic is that when we do these things that we we like that are pleasurable the consequences are a lag effect so we okay. don't experience them right then and there you know, if we eat a chocolate bar now, we don't suddenly see us putting on fat, but we do if we do this a lot over time. And I think that's like, you know, being able to regulate yourself and your impulses and being able to choose when you can actually do it and whether it's beneficial for your future as well. It's this like looking at this on a bigger note, it's like you look at the environment and the economy, both are crucial. Both are like the economy affects you like firsthand you know, we, we all have money and we it all affects us on a day-to-day basis, whereas the environment is a long-term thing and will affect us in the future. So you have to make decisions that are based on both. You know, there has, they have to coexist with each other. The future and the present have to coexist with each other because then you can make the best kind of decision. I, I, I think you can almost like, it's really interesting about that as well because you can almost see your current present is the balance you've been pursuing in the future. Oh, sorry, what I mean is, sorry, in the past. So the balance that you've been operating at in terms of, future uh, present has led to your current present if you kind of get me the way yeah, you've been yeah. behaving in the past has led to where you stand right now and if you don't edit it you're going to keep where you are almost like you're you're always yeah. in a state of like how much are you pleasure you're taking how much are you avo- uh, how much are you like uh what's the word how much are you how much pleasure are you having how much pleasure are you staving off i guess you could put it what i mean yeah. is the current situation you are now is based on that sort of balance that you've had in the past yeah in, in yeah. multiple areas whether it's health yeah. whether it's um wealth whether it's friendship relationships etc how much have you invested in it in the past means like in the future do you get if you kind of get me yeah, yeah. You're, you're always the current present is the results of what's that saying uh the current harvest is the plenty of the seeds from the past i can't oh, I can butcher well, I that. Know. But you know what i mean it's, it's something to do with like the current harvest is from the, the seeds of the past right yeah 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 um 
it doesn't happen immediately. So where yeah. you are right now is a is a result of all the, over time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And obviously, then um, I think his main point here is, yeah, it's it's finding that sweet spot, like you said, um, and trying to. I think one of the things I thought was interesting was he had this like meta. Um, yeah, that's it. If you aim at being better, a better human being in general, if you aim at just being better in every single aspect of your life, your life will always have meaning. Yeah. Well, and that the, was yeah, like exactly. a point. Like, I mean, obviously, there's, then, there's, then there's the discussion of what's better. Um, but the point is, if you're always looking to improve in all aspects of your life, you'll always be feeling progress and you'll always be looking, you always find meaning because yeah. everything you do is contributing for this better. Yeah. If that makes sense. Everything yeah. you do, if you're acting to be better, technically contributes to that better self yeah um yeah which is no, interesting but apart from that mate for uh, i try to think what else i could rattle off from that but that's all that i got from it it's it was almost like a very like it's a classic kind of get it and it's just his way of explaining it, it yeah. was kind of it was very well, exactly. like, biblical as well um and I think, like, you know, it becomes a habit in itself to try and ingrain the best kind of decision-making into, like, after considering the future and the present. You know, if you can hit that optimal point and you ingrain that as, like, part of a habit, then it's like, you know, you're staying, I don't know, in a good place rather than, like, fluctuating from one to the other. Like, you know, indulging for, like, we all do this where, you know, we'll indulge for a whole week. And then we'll be like, oh, yeah, we drink beers and eat shit food. And then be like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, be really good for three months. And then we go back and we just do it again. It's like dry, <laughs> dry Jan is like a yeah, perfect yeah. example yeah, yeah. where like, you know, people will justify it to themselves to be like, oh, I'm not going to drink for a month. And then I'm you fucking compensate by drinking yeah. loads afterwards. Well, I'll let you know how that goes for me because I've, I've just started drinking the 0% alcohol beers. And I'm actually quite enjoying them. It may, some of them are actually, they're actually get Genuinely. Yeah. Genuinely good, mate. Yeah. Genuinely I had some like blonde ones and they taste like Lefe. I don't know if you like yeah, Lefe yeah, yeah, beers, yeah. but yeah. Um, so I'm enjoying them so far, like genuinely. And also weirdly on that note, it it fit, it hits the spot, sorry. So like a bit like non-caffeinated coffees for me. Yeah. My body's so used to like, it's, this just reminds me sorry, of the whole idea that perception isn't just the actual substance. It's the, uh, the whole routine and the whole, the smells and everything. Your body expects it. So for example, I drank like the, these beers and it hits that spot like okay i fancy a beer and i'll have that like zero percent alcohol beer and i've actually i've actually quenched it if that makes sense i don't yeah, feel yeah, the yeah. need to have another beer it's, it's fucking great yeah. and it's the same with decaffeinated coffee i'll yeah. have a decaffeinated coffee at like seven o'clock in the evening and i've got rid of that sort of craving and like and this is kind of why i understand why i guess nicotine is slightly different because obviously it actually is the addictive part of it but like this idea that you can you can wean yourself off it. wean yourself off by yeah trying to find a routine which still hits yeah. the spot but the, yeah, exactly. Like my, I, I go for like a, I get like maybe drink like one coffee a day or something. But it's not so much the coffee that I enjoy. It's the kind of getting out of the house, going for a walk, yeah. and then I'm in my like productive state. That's kind of what it initiates. So like I could go and get um a decaffeinated coffee. Like I don't drink that much, so I'm not too bothered by it. But it's what I bring to it. It's what I associate with that. Yeah, kind yeah. Of it's it's, it's um, but this actually this is another point we'll get onto it later. It's about like how things are actually nested. In, yeah like the things are way more complex than you think yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. actually the coffee that does it like i just said it's the whole the whole routine of it and everything exactly um so let's move on to the next one because right. i i do think when we get on to the last ones i'm gonna be speaking for a while yeah, yeah so 
Uh, I think the next I want to say is, the next one's the truth, right? Yeah, tell the truth or at least don't lie. I mean, we spoke about this quite a lot, so mm-hmm. I think the main thing I've come to realise from this in general is this idea that when you when you lie, you have to kind of keep track of the lie. Yeah. In the sense that I think deep down we all know if we tell a lie, like we're conscious of even if it's the smallest lie, you're always conscious of that very small deviation from what actually happened. Like, you, yeah. you know it's the truth. Like, there's, like, a voice in your head that tells you, like, that's not exactly what you thought happened. Yeah. That's not exactly what it is. And I think what Peterson says, which I I can empathise with the most, was he's, like, he came to realise when he started thinking about it that most of the stuff he ever he said was, like, not really 100% true. Like, it wasn't yeah. a lie. It was never yeah. 100% true. Like, he had motives for saying this. Like, for example, he wanted to win an argument. We wanted to gain status in people's eyes or impress them, if you kind of get yeah, yeah. So, and I think it's really interesting from reading Elephant in the Brain is, like, we all kind of twist truth or, like, what we do in life to make people feel more or make make ourselves seem better than we are. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's always, for me, what's more interesting is not even, like, the big lies. It's the little white lies. Well, it always starts off like that. Yeah. He says the white lies that, like, compound. Because yeah. once you can just go, oh, I just, I bend the truth a little bit just to sort of, you know, um, to make sure they didn't punish me in some way. Because yeah. usually it's, it's probably usually to avoid a social punishment. Like, they're not going to be your friends or they, they're going to yeah. think badly of you. Um, but his point is, like, the way you destroy, like, your character is by lying small over and over again. Yeah. And he, and he does seem to think that like the difference between, you know, somebody who ends up as like a, a gulag guard, for example, in the Russian yeah. or like you see like a Holocaust guard would be somebody who basically just lies to himself little yeah. by little to the point where they're in such a state where they can't stand up anymore. So his yeah. point was like they would they would lie again and again and again and again and then they're in too deep to be like, yeah. fuck what I've done can't is wrong. back out now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, exactly. And I think building on to, uh, top of your point with the previous rule, you know, everything kind of accumulates over time. And uh, if you, first of all, like, you know, if the more you tell a lie, the more likely you're going to tell a lie. It's a habit in itself. Um, but yeah, exactly. It builds up, it builds up. And then it's like, you can't step out. Like I always think about it like corruption. You've got like a circle of you and then you take a step out, take a step out, take a step out. Before you know it, you're so far out that you can't turn back. Mm. And it's like, well, okay, and then and then it kind of it leads to different kind of behavior to try and either um, justify or rationalize, as he likes to say, because he says rationalizing is what the devil's bidding, pretty much. Yeah. Um, because you know you try to make it seem true to you. Yeah, and then, yeah. And also, rationalizations tend to be so, like back to the elephant in the brain. Anytime you rationalize an action, it tends to be pro-social. It tends to well, be yeah. like you're, the way you think about it. For example, if somebody said to you, if I said to you now, why did you do something? You would probably think, what would just find acceptable? And then say, yeah. You would, you would almost unconsciously go yeah, like, yeah. what do you think this guy would find acceptable? Yeah, like, because what, social yeah. Uh, truth comes second to social conformity. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so what, like in a Freudian manner, you know, you lie, and so then like there's this anxiety, or there's this yeah, this anxiety around like what if it pops up? So then you have to try and keep track of it and build other lies to make sure that it you know fits what you said, mm-hmm. and then you know you end up suppressing all of this kind of anxiety, and then it over time it kind of manifests in certain behaviors and if it starts to poke its head up then you have to act and you have to actually do an action that pushes it down and then it starts to change your behavior mm-hmm. and then you start doing things and then before you know it like you said you know you're a guard in the fucking gulag yeah um, yeah i think it's interesting back to the freud stuff because he talked it talked about as well like all the same all the psychoanalysis 
psychoanalysis, I guess that's how you pronounce it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They all came to the same sort of conclusion where it's like lies actually do lead you to sort of like a mental illness, as you will, because you've you essentially when you you lie as well, you you're sort of almost creating a separate identity in your brain because yeah. your brain does know like rel- like the truth. You kind of get me, and it yeah. knows you've lied, so then it has to keep hold of two exactly incapacitable ideas. And if you just build them up, eventually you just got two. You almost got a cognitive dissonance yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, like I think it's it's like it's really interesting because I think depending on what how you look at a lie. So there's the person that lies, and then there's the recipient who receives the lie. And I think the person who poses the lie because it's not true it leaves room for interpretation it's like not clear it's not it's not precise and so when that person who receives that lie either they internalize that and then they kind of have to make that fit because you don't go around constantly thinking that people are lying to you if you're so if you're so paranoid about everyone lying to you then you wouldn't even ask well that's that's what schizophrenic people are aren't they 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 think they think everybody's out to get them pretty Um, much I guess the reason why, okay, I think interestingly as well, it's one of the points I got here. I've got so many notes on this. Um, one of the points about the lying was that um, you, because you've lied, other people, sorry, you don't even know the yeah, asset because you lied, you don't understand the consequences of your actions. Um, you, you almost come to believe your lies at some point, right? Because like the more you repeat them, you, like you said, you get this idea that yeah. you get this cognitive distance between the lies you're telling yourself and then the truth, right? Yeah. And, when you have both, one of them has to sort of be bigger than the other. And obviously, yeah. then, like, for example, if you then did contemplate the truth, everything you've built up over here in your brain, for example, is doesn't mean anything. It's almost back to mm-hmm. this, like, traumatic experience. Like, because you almost start to come to believe your lies. And therefore, when something goes wrong, you can't believe why it's gone wrong. Can I, get me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess the argument, fine. It, it's going to be hard if you're a listener to try and get where I'm at right now with this, because it's more like back to this A-B framework where your position A and you're trying to get to position B, the more you lie, the more your position A is different. So you yeah, think yeah. you think you're this type of person, you think you're here in the social environment, you think this is this is you and you're gonna go to B. Yeah. The more you lie, the more this A becomes sort of like built on quicksand. I always use yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And therefore, you when something goes wrong with this B, you cannot you just can't work out what it is because you're you're starting at the wrong place. Yeah. yeah. You don't you like and also another thing about lying as well, I've realized, is the more you the more you lie. First of all, people realise, and they don't believe you. And yeah. you think, because because for I could give, I mean, we could give examples of our past. I reckon if Smithy was ever listening to this, he used to like yeah. shitloads, like. And and the thing is, like, I don't think he ever realised how much people talked about how much he was yeah, lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think he thought we all believed his lies, maybe. Yeah. Do you get me? Because nobody yeah, yeah. ever said to him, Smith, you're a massive liar, like, and said it straight. We give yeah. a joke to him, but nobody said to him, mate. By the way, you just keep lying. We've we all know you're lying. Like you yeah. know you haven't done half the things you say you're doing. Yeah. And and without that, without that feedback, you think you're like this master of the universe and that everybody's believing your lies. Yeah. yeah. But in reality, everybody just looks at you and goes, What? Yeah, just, yeah no, literally. And and that's what I mean by the false A. Because you've lied all the time and you think everybody thinks this because you've told them all these things. But people are intelligent, right? It's yeah. back to like it's back to like somebody who shows off by buying Ferrari and then he gives it all the chat like, oh no, I didn't buy it because you know I wanted to show off. Yeah, I bought it because yeah. this. And everybody knows that's a fucking lie. Yeah. So like, he thinks he's A, and everybody knows he's down here. Yeah. yeah. So you've got. Yeah. You almost. It's like this classic idea that you talked about later, and I think I want to say it's part of this chapter, but it might not be about ignoring your problems and ignoring the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room or whatever. And it's this lying. You sort of hide all the problems you have. Yeah. You get me. You yeah. don't face what you could. But well, yeah, 
I think like it ties in very well with his previous chapter that we just mentioned about the expediency because to lie means you basically want the benefit right here and now. Yeah. And it's not thinking about the future. It's not thinking about that, you know, you're destroying trust, people's trust in you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're basically getting a short term benefit. And then later on, you realize that there's an inconsistency and you have to maintain that line do it again so that it doesn't so that you don't feel that consequence you know mm -hmm. so that you don't actually yeah, approach the problem and so then once again it just leads you to becoming more and more expedient and more and mm -hmm. more like looking for pleasure sure. and impulse yeah, yeah. related well i think it also does that because you you lose track of the world because you lose your ability to go from a to b because you're like you're you're not even where you think you were so nothing yeah. really works out for you so you turn yeah. to pleasure because one of the things about if you're that type of person you can go from your position now to the goal you have yeah. you build up confidence because that's a positive yeah. feedback loop and that proves that whatever you're doing in your life you're manifesting what you want yeah but the people who lie tend to not manifest what they want right and this is interesting because one of the points i got here which leads back to what we said earlier so like when something happens to you that you didn't want didn't want to happen okay yeah the people who go okay it didn't work out i still have something to learn that is when you're being authentic and listen yeah. and almost following the path of God, as you will, or the truth. Like something went wrong. That means something. I have to learn something in this situation yeah. or I have to figure out what went wrong. Right. Yeah. The people who struggle, the ones who says, no, what, what I wanted to happen didn't happen. And that is because the world's unfair. Yeah. People are jealous or they don't yeah. understand me. It's their fault. Okay. And this is back to this, is what he says here, because this reminds me of what I was saying to you earlier, the logic, if you follow that, cause it's somebody yeah. else's fault, they go, they should be stopped. They must be hurt or they must be destroyed. Yeah. yeah. And like literally all very axiomatic view. Like, but whenever all bad actions happen in the world in terms of like sort of rival conflict, it all happens in this idea of like, they can never understand me. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're in my way. It's their fault. Yeah. yeah. Mate, I'm worried about the world at the moment. Oh, all, mate, I, see so, is, I, all you... I see is everybody going like, it's their fault. It's the government's well, fault. Well, you, you watched that, it's, um, uh, Jordan Peterson and Douglas Murray, didn't you? Yeah. yeah it's like, I, I've, I feel really scared in regards to a slight segue from this, but also it has a lot to do with it is, you know, what, like, like I said at the very beginning, it's like when you start distrusting, uh, like not trusting um, your opponent, then anything you say yeah, yeah, is yeah. tagged with like, you know, yeah. not trusting. Cause they're, Cause they're not out for your benefit. Uh, well, this is it. It's like, you, I can't say if we were enemies, I can't say anything without you being like, well, I'm not going to believe you because it's just like, it's the first thing you see before mm. you actually hear what they say. It's like, well, I don't trust you. Mm. And like, this is the thing is like with lies and small lies and especially lies within systems that, you know, are so important, like governments and companies and all this kind of thing. It's like these little lies have built over time and they try to squash it and, you know, push it down. But now it's led to being like, oh, well, I just saw that you lied. I don't trust you anymore. Mm. And it's like you might have, it's quite hard to come back from lying. Well, it's yeah, exactly, because it it tarnishes your whole your whole. Well, it means I anything guess. you say in the future, like what? Exactly. How can I trust you? Yeah, no, agree. Exactly. I agree. Like, it's, you could say like, you could mm. look at the context, but it's still an action in itself, and you've thought about lying. Mm. Um, and, I think I think yeah. one of the worst things about this always like if you really the problem. Okay, right. This is back to like facts, and this is what Peterson says. Like facts don't change but you can interpret them in different ways yeah and also the problem with statistics is there's many problems with statistics mainly the fact that they're usually estimates they're not real yeah, like yeah. you, you need well, to based on an you, average you need, yes and but fine that's another good point first of all statistics you know they reveal some truth but you need to figure out how they were measured 
yeah. how big was the sample size because quite a lot of they do is they just you know they take a small sample and then they extrapolate out based on percentages yeah, or whatever yeah. Yeah. But, and no one's the average but the point which you just said about average is even more interesting is this idea that like okay right think about low resolution problems or like zoomed out like the whole the yeah. whole problem the high resolution problem so the point that i saw recently was like fine you can zoom all the way out right and you can be like okay this many people died of covid yeah right or whatever and then you could zoom into the problem more and be like okay how old were their age group right you kind of get what i mean like yeah, 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 there are yeah. different resolutions to how you look at things yeah, and yeah. the point is the, the problem with government at the moment and this is back in the ergodicity book i recently read is they're focusing on these right. average numbers and they're focusing on like and this is yeah. what they do with the economy as well mate yeah, so for yeah. example they've made most of their decisions based on oh actually do you know what? i don't know how they made their decisions but you would assume that they look at the average data and because i actually genuinely this is what i think i don't think they're mal- i don't think there's any malice in the government's actions i think they're just yeah. not very good at statistics so they yeah. don't understand what they're doing and i think they've seen it at a high level problem with averages and stuff like oh the average person has lost this much money or the average person this and that when in reality they should be zooming into the problem and going like right who's the ones who are most affected they're the ones who need to help yeah, yeah. not not the other people do you kind of get what yeah. i mean because when you take an average you then you're spreading out across the average and like like you said the average doesn't exist yeah what's the average problem in the country but, but this, like, this is, you this zoom is in it. on the problems and you solve the problems yeah. at their level you know you can't just solve somebody's problem but like let's just say your business has gone bust oh i'm gonna give everybody 500 quid you should be fine yeah like, no no there's people out there who don't need the money and there's but, people but, out there who do and you need like a higher level of resolution to solve these problems you don't just go you know the average person now has lost this much money therefore we need to re- replace it whereas some people yeah. have lost a lot more than others well, because you're attributing the problem to everyone else. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, you have a problem and then you say, oh, the average person is dealing with it like this. And so everyone should have the same solution. It doesn't make sense. It's the same, like, you know, no matter what your what your view is on this, it's like the same kind of goes for COVID in regard to like, okay, so you've got, you know, the, the elderly and frail, you know, who are at the most risk. And so everyone should stop working and be paid and be paid um, uh, furlough, mm-hmm. even though you've got, you know, more than, you know, that's that's a small, that's a minority in, in yeah, regard yeah. to the whole population. But it- but it also should be on, like, for example, like the, the businesses that are hit the hardest should be the ones with the most help. Well, Not yeah. just like a blanket, everybody gets help. Yeah. It's like the ones who actually prove they need help get the help. Mm. I mean, obviously, then you could argue, oh, it'll be too slow. But then you wouldn't have, end up with the level of fraud that's happening, yeah. etc. It's just like... But it's like, rather know. than helping the people that actually need the help, you're diluting all of your resources and solutions mm. by giving it exactly. to everyone. You're, yeah, you're yeah, exactly. paying everyone in the UK rather than paying the people that actually you really need it. it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. It's, it's just it's a fucking it's, and like it's, it's so interesting with this kind of like average perspective because well you you know yeah. the, the well the problem is made up of numerous things right it's not just one problem it's like numerous things that make it up and then you're taking an average of that and saying and and then an average of all the people so you're just saying like what like no one's the average no one's going to be that one person that has all well, of I those same conditions. I have to say, the one interesting thing they did do, which shows they did actually localise problems a little bit, is this idea of shutting down local areas based on, in my head, it had to be based on the hospital capacity. So yeah, it, it, like that yeah. actually shows definite better levels of forethought. Because, for example, they could be, what's the average amount of COVID or what's the total amount of COVID cases in the UK? Oh, it's not that high. But if you localise the problem and you zoom in again and you go, okay, yeah. Bristol has got shitloads of COVID cases in comparison to the rest of the world. Their hospital capacity is this. They've almost hit their capacity. Therefore, they need to be tier four. That, yeah. in my head, people don't think... Of, people. I think people have forgotten that that's probably the mindset that the government did yeah. when they did these tiered lockdowns in different places. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't because, you know... Um, 
it, it was more just to see people's lives based on the data, which is probably like that hospital is almost full. If it does get full, more people are going to die. Yeah. So like the yeah. tier system in that sense, lo- lo- like localized, made a lot more sense to me than just going national yeah. lockdown. Because national lockdowns like apply the same rules to everybody when one country, when when uh, one yeah. area, yeah, isn't isn't in trouble. Yeah. So yeah, that I think was better. But yeah, let's move past COVID. You could talk about it for ages, and <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. you still wouldn't even come to any conclusions because there's so yeah. many different like perspectives. Yeah. Um. So we got past the lying. Um. And I think we did, unless there's more. Um, um, no, I, that was pretty much all I had. What was the ne- what was the next chapter, mate? So the next one is assume that the person you are listening to might know something you don't. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, I. So for this one, I'm gonna go all the way down. I had a load of stuff here about the, like, a lot more of this was I don't even know if this fits into the truth bomb, but about like having an aim and stuff. I think we've already gone over it, and then servants of ambition integrating oh, i quite like this point sorry on a side note yeah. this idea that this is back to the meaning i think so the path sorry the the end re like changes the meaning of the past in the sense that a film's ending changes the meaning of the whole entire yeah, yeah yeah there was a sacrifice in the film like somebody was to die and in the end there was a happy ending his sacrifice wasn't for nothing and yeah. this is the point with like finding meaning and having a goal it can justify the troubles in your life because you have this goal yeah, so if you're yeah. down you know you're going there like you can justify the struggle because yeah, yeah. you're somewhere else better to be yeah yeah i thought that was really interesting what's uh, what's like tying that in with like ideologies it's similar but you're justifying the means to get there so as in like you know yeah, it, yeah. everything is worth the end result mm-hmm, which, and, is which is very like you know nazi like yeah. uh, you know um hitler um but yeah so um yeah. i think my my point that i had on this like we talked a lot about kind of communication especially with like how to have impossible conversations and a lot of kind of techniques like that but i think with this one my one was kind of like you have to be on the same playing field you have to have the same kind of approach and be rooted in the same value when you have a conversation because if you're on different levels and you're talking about different things, mm-hmm. you know? And sorry, can you just say? Yeah, one second. Shut up. <laughs> just, just shut up. Just, just shut up. Just shut it. the fuck up. Okay, no, um, uh, what was that? Yeah, so um, I think you have to be rooted in the same value because if you're not, then you're not talking about the same things or you don't have the same kind of goals in a way I change the word that you said value I change it to root in the same problem maybe or the same yeah like, do you know I mean you're both you're both on the same wavelength about the topic do you yeah. know what I mean you have to have a, an agreement on what the fuck you're even talking about that kind well, of makes sense well, well this is it and I think like it, it, it he also talks about it in the how to have impossible conversations but basically be rooted in like truth as in like you're not you're not going in trying to like push the other person down you get a lot of conversations that are basically just revolve around people showing off so that they kind of show where they are in the fucking dominance hierarchy or so show that they're smarter than you or whatever um but i think by being on the same kind of like trajectory as the other person to be like well this is what we're both trying to find truth mm-hmm. we're both kind of there we just have different ways of seeing it and different kind of sure. like things where's the why is there a rift or why is there a difference mm-hmm. and how do we like find that um, i think i think yeah so the chapter was called what was it treat everybody as if you've got something to learn from them right yeah and that remind like you just said impossible conversations literally starts with the mindset that everybody every time you meet somebody if they see something you disagree with 
you know, that's their conclusion. You probe them for their reasoning. Like yeah. everybody can teach you something in terms of how exactly. somebody could believe how somebody could believe what they if you think what they believe is ridiculous, right? Yeah. You could learn how somebody could believe that. Because yeah. usually people do have rational underpinnings. And if they don't, then it tends to be emotional. Like the yeah. emotional connection they have well, with yeah. idea, right? Um what I found interesting in terms of like practical advice he gave, which I really love, and I've seen it so many times in communication books, it's always yeah. the same thing. Whenever somebody has a discussion with you, if you can't say back to them exactly what they said to you with a way that they agree, you haven't listened to them and you don't understand yeah. what they're saying. Which I found, it's just fascinating, isn't it? If I can't repeat back to you exactly what you're saying, then we can't even have a discussion yeah. because we're talking about different things. But th- so this the, is yeah. it. And I, I think like relating it back to um, uh, your point about like uh, point A and B, you're trying to find out where someone's point A is so that you can understand their thought process. It's like the epistemology. You're trying to mm-hmm. like go back through their thought process and be like uh, thought processes and be like okay well this is where you started and this is how you started to get these kinds of thoughts you know and it makes so much sense because then you can tie it to their root Mm -hmm. and their value and why they see that because then you can be like oh i understand why you think that because this is what it's kind of rooted in sure you know and i think yeah what's quite interesting is like what i've been doing to you more recently and you've probably done it you've done it to me a few times well whenever you say a word i'll be like what do you mean by that like you'll, yeah, be like, yeah, you'll say something yeah. to me and I'll be like, what do you mean by that? And I find it yeah. so interesting because that's the best way to get to, like, if, if I want to understand what you're saying, because we all have our own terminology for things. Like, I remember yeah. you, you always used yeah. to use low resolution, high resolution before I did, before I probably got my head around it and stuff, yeah. right? And I used to think, oh, like, what, what does he mean by that? Like, do you, what does he what does he mean exactly by that? Yeah, the yeah. more now I ask, if you say something I don't understand, I should be like, what do you mean? Well, like, what do you mean by that word? And people didn't do that at all, right? They all just have an argument at the government and it's like, what do you mean by government? Yeah. It's just the most easy yeah, question. Yeah. And also, it shows you're curious. To me, it's like the most obvious thing. So somebody goes, I hate the fact that, you know, this pro, like, oh, something happened. And I'll be like, what do you mean by that? Like, or yeah. what, what does this mean? Like, what does this yeah. word mean? And you, you yeah. get out of them. And also, what I find really interesting is I reckon you can call a lot of bullshitters out. But if they say stuff like, oh, we're going to radically disrupt the industry, but like, what do you mean by disruption? And then I'll be this like, and then I'll be like, oh, I don't know because I'm just chatting by, shit. by questioning. You kind yeah. of shine a light on like where there may be holes in their a logic. In yes. their, it, yeah, this, it, this is the seeding doubt, isn't it? Like you, this is it. Don't, you don't attack them. You just go. You basically you make them attack themselves by yeah, almost yeah, pretty by, pretty. That's it. You much. make them attack themselves just like somebody gives you stuff. Oh, I hate I hate how this is going. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. You know, you just yeah. you just probing these questions like because. What I think a lot of people do in communication is, is we trade conclusions. And this is like one of the things I saw in an argument book. It was like, when you have an argument with somebody, you're trading conclusions. You yeah. did this wrong. That's my conclusion. Why did you do it wrong is the question. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. Which is trading conclusions. Like, I believe this. Why do you believe this? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. apparent question. This is what yeah, you mean. Yeah. You have something to learn from everybody. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise what you do is you take that conclusion and then you either disagree with it or you agree with it or you try yeah. to build it. You don't understand where it's come from. You're not exploring. Yeah. This is what you mean by like searching for the truth together. Exactly. You're exploring your own reasoning. Yeah. I think I had a really good quote here. Yeah, that's it. A real, co- a real conversation like that puts you in a realm where souls connect and that's a real place. It leaves you thinking that was really worth, uh, worthwhile. Yeah. We really got to know each other. The mask came off and the searches were revealed. I like and, that. And the mask. Yeah, and I, I think like I wrote, I wrote here is that, you know, by... First of all, like I, I think he had a point here saying that like knowledge is not measured by the amount you have, but by the like continual pursuit of it. Like mm. I'm paraphrasing that, but basically, you know, you don't just know everything. 
Of course because not. Because if you did, you what? You'd go around life and you oh, just have everything well, sorted yeah, out. Which yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. exactly. You, you would be able to like seduce anybody on the spot. You'd have a billion dollars. Like, yeah. do you mean you'd have all the things that you'd ever wish for if you knew everything? Which you exactly. don't. Because you don't have that. So it's like have some and, fucking humility, right? And I think <laughs> so, the pursuit of I think the pursuit of knowledge ties in so much with like ego. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, are you, do you think that you just know everything and you don't want to go learning about anything? Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like, going back to your point about, like, you know, when we press each other about what uh, something means or what your definition of something mm-hmm. means, is I used to, like, like I don't have the best vocabulary in the world. Yeah. And so now, whatever anyone is just saying something, I used to not question what that word might yes. mean if I didn't yeah, know yeah. it. Oh, I mate. just, like, try and yeah. get the rest of the sentence and yes, of course, make an that's idea how, that's of how it. you learn most of your language, right? But yeah. If, but if you don't ask, you don't. But you if you don't, don't ask, you don't. Know. My, I'll give you an example exactly of this. My grandma used the word insipid earlier, and I was like, well, yeah. "What do you mean by insipid?" And yeah. like, I, I told her, "This is embarrassing. I can't even remember what she fucking said." Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. In the moment, she clarified it to me, and that's yeah. important because otherwise, you could say stuff to me, and I'd just be like, "Okay." Like, but then I project onto you. I project onto you my understanding, yeah. and that's where the issues come because I project my reality onto yours without getting yeah. your reality first. And yeah. I really like this what you talked about earlier because this makes so much sense. Because what we're doing now, as well in our in our podcast, is basically we're articulating ideas almost for the first time. Right, we are yeah. articulating as we go now to discover how, the way we think, the way we do almost. Right. Yeah. yeah, this, yeah. For me, this is the whole point of doing this. Yeah. Um, and he talks about like when you start asking people about what they genuinely mean, they often articulate their ideas for the first time. Because as I said, you're walking around as a conclusion. When I question you, you start going back in and start seeing the reasoning. Um, yeah. And you can't do it without wandering down, like sometimes realizing you don't know what you're talking about. Because I sometimes, yeah. I'm like in the middle of a sentence and I'm like, actually, hang on a second. Maybe that isn't true. Do you well, this is it, I mean? that's, that's when speaker, that hole have... reveals itself. Yes, and then, you know? then, then obviously that's a new question to, to try and yeah. figure out. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think it's really interesting, and I'm, I'm going to tie it quickly to um, that podcast of Jordan Peterson and Douglas Murray because he talks about, you know, he talks about American politics, but he he talks about it in regards to the left and right. You know, they should both be valued in the same thing, which is like helping the people, right? That's that's their sole purpose. But now it has changed to basically being a competition and hitting the other one harder. And this whole kind of this whole process is pushing one. And then their whole thing is like, well, instead of, you know, sorting the problem out, you hit them back and you're kind of just spreading the spectrum further and further. So you're getting far right and far left. And it's it's just becoming more of a competition rather than like actually solving the problem. And you, I think his point was like you just need one of them to stop and say, no, OK, we're not this isn't what we're rooted in we're rooted in helping people and we're not going to play your game about hitting the other one back or revenge we're going to put like stand still and go like okay well we need to do this okay because otherwise you just end up going back to the whole trust thing when you can't trust your opposition and they're providing perfect well i guess i guess the argument is when you're doing this there's no communication happening at all you're not trying to understand each other you're just trying to provoke each other isn't it it's just a, a mutually you're just increasing the provocation each time and you're just trying to see which one snaps first and does something on so bad that everybody ridicules them almost i feel like that's almost what, what's going on yeah um, but yeah yeah what's um what's the next chapter then okay so the next one is be precise in your speech. oh fuck yeah good stuff you fucking love this oh uh, well i mean i just i've been just thinking about it quite a lot recently so first yeah. of all i liked i think he starts off this chapter chapter sorry talking about how everything's nested in layers of complexity um mm-hmm. since everything's ne- nested in different 
um, within different technological circuits. So, for example, your computer is made out of electricity. It's like it's made out of the parts, but you just yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole. The whole point is, we see one thing and it's nested in complexity. Like the idea, okay, right? This is a, I think this is the one that that people can get without having to think too hard. It's you see somebody for the first time, right? Yeah. You sort of all you can take in really is probably what they look like. You know their behaviors. You can probably sort of work out roughly who you think they are within the first, you know, couple of minutes. But you don't yeah. see the nested complexity in terms of their relationships with other people, their goals, their past. You're like we only see that if you're going to get you there. so the much. It's so much vagueness in everything. Like we only see what we think we see. So basically, what we're doing is living an illusion, right? Yeah. And what how this sort of links into this idea of being precise is, I find specifically. Though I find it, you know, across the board, the more I look, think about it, how vague people are yeah. with, with everything, so with, vague, yeah, yeah. with with anything. So, like for example, uh, the classic ones I see because I'm I, I'm, I was in I was reading a lot. Well, I studied business and also did a lot around marketing. It's like they say stuff like, "Oh, have a follow your passion or have a passion-driven brand, have an authentic brand." Yeah, what yeah. the fuck does that even mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. This is this is the idea of like vagueness. You can hide behind vagueness because you're not you're not specific enough to have somebody criticize you. There's plausible deniability. Literally this, right? And as as a lot of people just give the most wishy washy yeah. like not I guess this is even back to sorry, this is back to what we were just saying about this conversation between people. It, whenever they give you a conclusion they have that is vagueness there right yeah it's effe- that's effectively vague in the sense that they've given you very little information and then you bounce off that and you think you know what they're talking about and you add or you project yourself onto them being like he behaved this way or he said this i don't agree with this therefore i'm going to attack him yeah specificity is being like what do you mean by that it's yeah, exactly be more specific to okay another example the attribution bias is when somebody does something bad, you attribute it to their character rather yeah. than the context. Whereas when you do something bad, you'll be like, oh, but he made me do it. Or, yeah, or the yeah. environment, I was stressed. Yeah. But when other people do it, it's their character. And yeah. that's really fascinating because it just shows like an asymmetry in your perception that you would let let situational factors affect you. You would blame like you're in a mood, whereas other yeah. people just think they're evil or they're bad people. Well, and, exactly. and this leads me to the vagueness of your specificity because with you, you're more specific because you've, yeah. you've, or like, sorry. I guess you are being specific with them, but you've done it in a way that you haven't asked any questions. You just straight away yeah. go, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. that's quite vague. Oh, he's a bad person. No, he's not. That behavior yeah. is bad. Yeah. If you kind of get me, that's, that's another yeah. thing back to vague and specific. So, you know, we talked about like, what's, it? what's the best way of saying it? We have like abstract terms such as good person, yeah. good, bad. Yeah. And inside that good person is what Peterson always talks about. There's like a nested behavior. So like, like what we person. consider it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's obviously, to each person this is like what do you mean by good because well, every exactly. person good's better but like you have good person and you have like a branch just that's how you visualize it and you'd be like yeah. you know, donates to charity potentially you know helps old people on the street um yeah, puts yeah. others for himself and you have all these acts within good right yeah. then you start with these acts within evil and i find what's interesting as well with people is they tally up their good and they try and ignore their bad yeah oh yeah 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 i feel like this is this is another thing about being precise like yeah, this sorry, no, sorry. This this idea of like vague or using abstractions or stuff which aren't really clear cut. So I think good and bad is a very, very good example. Um it's more interesting when you so get into binary. In fact, this is a great example as well. Another time people are vague. You watch the same sporting match, right? And somebody's actions, this is back to like remember I spoke mm-hmm. to you the other day about analog and digital communication. So digital communication would be obviously like binary, zeros and ones. There's no you're not gonna misunderstand, misinterpret what I'm saying to you because yeah, yeah. I'm direct. 
analog is like there's more up to interpretation two people that i tell you what million thousands of people watch the same football match depending what side you're on depends how you interpret the game yeah and and like for me this shows like this vagueness of like reality reality yeah. is vague and we pick up different patterns in in the vagueness yeah. Yeah. and we i what's the essay saying like for example, like let's just say somebody I said to you, oh, I watched the football match the other day, and that person played really well. What do you mean by played well? It's, like yeah. if you start questioning how, like, do you know what I mean? People actually yeah. have such vague conclusions about things. Well, so somebody, I think it, I, as well. somebody kept saying to me every time I said something, be like, what do you mean by that? Because yeah. eventually you realise you know fucking nothing, or like well, you're not you're this, perceiving this stuff, is, making conclusions without even knowing, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the the reason behind it is like you know reality itself is so complex. And there's so much to pick up on and we we can't pick up on all of it there's so much information coming to us so we use uh, binary thinking as one of them to kind of simplify it all but the problem is is that like when that's kind of attributed or projected as if you already know something as if it's certain and that's where it kind of goes wrong and i think like when speech isn't precise then you know a conversation occurs there's ambiguity in it and so there's room for people to fill that. So let's say there's like, you know, you understand 70% of it, 30% of it was like, you know, uh, like, you know, um, almost like misty, you know? So yeah, then you project right. your idea, you project the other 30%. And what you are is made up of so many different things, your personality, your problems, all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so then you, that's where misinterpretation occurs. And it's like, it, that's where people's also like judge people's intentions. You know, it's like you say something without a certain intention, but you can interpret it as like racist or, you know, mm-hmm. or certain lo- or like, you know, what so many different ways of interpreting it. Yeah. But that's because a lot of the time you're projecting what you think the rest of the conversation was about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you project without specifying, you project yeah. vagueness. Cause you I, really, I, yeah, I guess like from the person who's actually speaking the point of view, because that was more from like the recipient, the person who's conveying it, I wonder if you could argue that like a lack of clarity means unconfidence because you're, you, because yeah. like you said, it's like, you know, when, when you're vague, you have this like shield to hide behind of like plausible deniability because they can't pin you on it. It's like, oh, I don't know. It's the same thing with joking. And we've talked about this numerous times. It's like when you joke and someone pins you on it, it's like, oh, no, no, I was just joking, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's like vagueness in there, but there's also truth. And so I wonder if you could say that, like, you know, someone who is less clear is kind of hiding behind this kind of. Hiding behind of the fact that vagueness. they don't really know. Yeah. I do think there is a level of that, mate, because if you, if you think about what. Actually, I, I, I was about to say law is kind of that, but law isn't actually. Law is the opposite. Law is where you actually, law is where you try and be so specific that you have to write out so many lines of interpretation to make sure it's very specific. Well, you're, you're trying to understand the interpretation, yeah. uh, the intention. Sorry, it's like that's why there are all those rules, and like you said, like you know, that's what loads of lawyers try to do because things are so context dependent, and you try to understand someone's intention behind something. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is like you know you can there are a lot of rules that are set in society that are so vague because they're just blanket rules and you can't apply a blanket rule to every context but when you do then there's vagueness it's like well how do we interpret this now yeah yeah. and i think that's why it's quite interesting with like he talks about it in the book as well to do with religion is religion was its own downfall because it's got these 10 command christianity it's got these 10 commandments okay but 
there's so much complexity in the world and sometimes there's not like a clear cut answer and yeah. so when there's that room for for like you know to be understood then that propels some people to be curious and figure out is the answer to that and then that kind of led more and more to science the revolution of science and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um yeah i think what's been what's interesting as well with this like specificity and um vagueness is that i guess most people don't even realize how vague they're being right i feel like one of the most common things that people get is like i would i am even bad for it for example i get annoyed if somebody doesn't understand what i'm telling them Mm. but like this is like remember that book uh made the stick with the curse of knowledge we all have the curse of knowledge in the sense that yeah. we we know we know our intentions we know what we want to say yeah but unless you make it very specific and clear people will always have room to misinterpret misunderstand you yeah. and i feel like his point one of his main points about this specific thing as well is be specific with what you're telling people to do as well so for example if you're getting in an argument with somebody instead of being like you're a bad person that's very vague because there's a bad person as i said and it's nested under loads of behaviors and also they don't know exactly what they've done right you do yeah. something you do i don't know you leave the stove on or you're fucking shitty cunt oh god that's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know what i mean i i, I go in yeah. on you and i've been ang- i've been being aggressive towards you there's no clarity in what you've done whereas if i say yeah, to you, yeah, yeah. when you when yeah. you leave the stove you know it annoys me and mm. i think what's what's interesting as well is is we spoke about this before as well so whenever people beat themselves up it tends to be that they, they, there's obviously, like we just said, there's a bad person, for example, and then there's all these nested behaviors or whatever. Yeah. And what happens is you do something wrong and then you just go up, the, you got the, the list. So instead of yeah. just being, I did this wrong today, like I missed, I don't know, uh, I didn't clean up today because I was feeling lazy. And then that traverses into, I'm lazy all the time. Then that traverses yeah, yeah. Into, what yeah. are lazy people they're they're like unlovable and then that's how you feel depressed because you've yeah. like traversed from one specific behavior to your whole well, that whole is that view. nest and this is like this, this is the difference between being vague and specific the more specific you are with the thing you've done wrong the more chance you are of solving it like reducing the fact that that could happen again in the future because if it's about your character rather than that behavior you are going to struggle to fix well, the problem so because if it's about yeah. you as a whole as a person you're less likely to fix that because that's a big fucking job yeah then if yeah. it was just oh, i forgot to do this so this time i forgot to do it therefore i'm going to put a reminder on my phone yeah or or you know that type of thing is and i i love that because i think it just is so it reminds me so much of his points all of his points like a to b yeah, you're A going to B. If your B is very vague, you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah, Because yeah. you need to have something specific to aim for. Yeah. To make stuff meaningful. Because if you're like, oh, I get, I say this, but then I said something earlier about this is where I'm contradicting myself here. I said, better person. But but I guess you could argue that becoming a better person, you can have metrics which is specific. So I don't know, you know, do one good deed today. But this is like why goal setting is important because you become specific of what it is that you want to do, and therefore you can measure yourself against it. Yeah. What I find really interesting is I personally struggle to do things unless I'm very specific with the job. So if yeah. I haven't figured out what it is that would uh, constitute as completing a task, I wouldn't even bother doing the task. Do you get yeah. me? Like yeah. if there isn't like a, a clear-cut end goal, I would procrastinate because I don't know what it's. Because then the task seems like a never-ending long task. Yeah. Because if I was like, if I was like, be the best, the be the best Jess possible. What the fuck does that mean? Usually, what you do is when you go to these like goal-setting things with like Tony Robbins, right? You would have like he helps you work through your goals and you write them out and then you be specific yeah. with them. And then obviously, when you're more specific, there becomes something that you can actually measure yourself against. Well, this is it. Yeah. Um, 
and it's something attainable rather than abstract like it's so abstract to say well you know i'm going to be the best jess i can be and it's like well, what you don't know what that means there's no action that you can actually pursue there if you then pull it down to yeah. like an actionable thing and like jordan peterson talks about this it's like separating you know the idea from the person or separating the like action from the person in regards to like an idea takes on a world of its own and so many people will die for for their idea for their reasoning you know but the whole idea is that the whole concept is that you should be able to detach yourself from it you know mm-hmm. um i, I think, don't know I, if that tied in so much but I no i think another interesting thing i just thought about the specific specific be the vague is the best marketing also like any company that sells you something they don't go this is the best soft drink they'll be like this is the cheapest soft drink this gives you the most energy they're very specific yeah. with their claims yeah they're very specific what it does for you yeah. like i i could say to you i'm going to give you a course that makes you a better person or i say i'm going to give you a course that makes you a million dollars which one are you going to buy one that's way more specific to you yeah. like if i understand your problem i can pitch myself as well, somebody, this is it like, this is back to like understanding sell, something like what i was saying like, yeah selling to you right in my head there's only a few ways i can sell to you like i can make I can change your B, so the place you're going. I can convince you my place, which I think of B is better for you than where you think you're going. I can convince you that I'm the only way you can get to B from A. I can convince you that your A is at threat, and therefore I can protect you from whatever's going to take you away from that yeah. A. For example, I could do a fear-based thing where you're going to lose your position, or I could convince you that all of it's wrong, and then you become follow me, and we join like a cult. Yeah, <laughs> like, the- <laughs> you're looking at the wrong thing. You're the wrong person. I'm yeah. going to help you from this mismatch of chaos. Um, but it all follows really interesting idea like of this if you're having a conversation with somebody, you need to work out the specifics of the situation before you offer a solution. This is why the yeah. government get it wrong. Because almost yeah. the average, average by definition is vague. Because yeah. it's vague in the sense that is, it's not specific to the individual's problem. It's, yeah. it's a vague because it's, it's, vague it's addressing the whole problem together without any sort of granularity in it. And that's, why, take into consideration. that's, why, it's, that's why it's problematic, right? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's one size fits all. It's like trying to, yeah. It's like well, a blanket to, rule can't yeah. fit everyone's con- uh, context. And the last thing I got on that to honest mate, is just like back to what we said in the last bit we were chatting about, which is with specificity, you should define what you're arguing about up front. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, or, I agree. Or, yeah, or if somebody, I guess another really good way of like combating somebody who criticizes something you do being like, they criticize, oh, uh, oh, you did this, you're a bad person. It's like, what was it about that that annoyed you? Yeah. Like, what was yeah. it exactly that pissed you off? Well, I but think, anyway, yeah. I think it's quite interesting because going back to the whole A to B thing, it's like if, first of all, uh, what you just said, as in, you know, be specific about what your conclusion is, what your B is, right? Because once you know where your B is, because it's quite hard for us to kind of understand where we are in terms of our A. Yeah. Like it can be quite difficult to figure that out. But like when you say well, what your B is, then you can kind of go back yeah. and, try and, and try and figure out where your A is from that. Well, a is a really interesting one because a lot of it's come from your it comes from your, your social well your past and your social environment how do people yeah. react to you yeah. like what do you what is the current environment telling you about yourself that's why you're so interested in other people can you hear me yeah yeah you're so interested in the way people react to you and your social status because it gives you a better version of a where you're at yeah. you're gonna get me so you know yeah. what you're capable it's very useful to know where you're at because then you know what what your value is in the mating market or what your value yeah. is as as part of society almost right and then you can make more accurate goals Mm -hmm. because it's based on your reality it's like this is the thing and uh, we were talking about this last week actually with that ability to make accurate goals and i think 
a lot of what goes around, especially with the self-help thing, kind of distorts your idea of what you are well, capable of. I can tell you, you can achieve anything, right? Well, like, you, you, the thing is, you can't you can achieve achieve anything, but you can't achieve everything right now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and so I think the difference is that all these like kind of self-help books, they they say that you can just do it right now. You know, like it's it's possible, but it's like, well, I can't suddenly make a million dollars right now. Mm-hmm. It's like a long plan. And I can, and it, and the 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 accuracy is being able to judge how long and what I have to do to get that million dollars. Do you sure. get what I mean? And so you have also, to how, be how many to how many different ways can you do it? Well, this There's is so it. Many different ways. This is it. This is yeah. It's you um. Have to make those accurate plans in relation to where you are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if I made a plan, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna make a million million dollars by next week. It's like, well, that's not accurate. Because it's not it's like I'm even close to me. I think it's that. very interesting. In fact, I'm probably going the other way. <laughs> the more I think about it, like this, this AB model is very interesting in the sense that, like, you can define like a, a course of action, or like, the best course ever would be to get somebody to define their A pretty, pretty articulately, like, yeah, to measure where they think they are, ask for friends for feedback, then also decide what they really, really want based on what they yeah. value, yeah, and then work out what opportunities they have to get to there. And like yeah. you write this all out and you articulate it, then you've got a fucking good plan. You know where you yeah. are, you know where you're going. Um, and then you put the plan exactly. in place and then you put the plan in place by picking out specific behaviors that you can do regularly like that's how i do it it's pretty there we go um but yeah let's um let's move on because yeah so as we can um on a room recap i'm pretty sure we'll end up going into that a bit more yeah i think I've so got as well. some other stuff on it so um all right so we are on to number 11 which is do not bother children while they are skateboarding um Right. Okay. So take us away. Yeah, I don't really have too too much on this. The remaining of my notes tend to be more uh, around some of the abs not abstract some of the specific points he has in the. I think it might even be from his coda. You know, he has like a thing at the end of the book. But mm-hmm. anyway, from this chapter, I remember it being very similar to the to the um the chapter on the children and how to yeah. so- socialize children basically. And my if my understanding is correct, the whole point of not telling a kill- child to get off when he's skateboarding i think which is what the phrase is um it's more about letting them build up personal responsibility and reliance on themselves yeah. so like the yeah. whole idea of letting a kid stumble is is essentially like almost the human journey in that we always face like adversity and things that don't go the way we want them to do and the whole idea of like the human hero myth or whatever like our journey is to overcome this and the whole yeah. point is it the children are doing stuff which is inherently dangerous as you will or can cause physical pain so it shows great courage and they are trying to traverse or trying to increase their understanding and their their ability to perform on a skateboard so what they're actually doing is relatively heroic they know that the cost of failure when they're skateboarding is pain yeah everyone damaging themselves yeah yeah. who are you to say as an adult stop doing that i guess obviously there's the, the the consequences of oh my god they they might die they might really injure themselves but the whole point of it is they are facing up to something which is scary and yeah. overcoming it. And obviously, yeah. there are plenty of times where that can go wrong and they can break a leg. Yeah, Hypothetically, they could die. They, some people probably have died. Yeah. More people die from other things, probably from obesity and not, you know, being lazy. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is back to this, like, obsession with, like, short-term injuries rather than long-term. Like, yeah. so if they have a short-term injury skateboarding and they learn to overcome it, fine, whatever, they injure themselves, yeah, got it. Like, you say, oh, I'm a bit sadistic in the sense of that. No, because what they're doing is they're showing courage and they're standing up, they're building self-responsibility, they're overcoming adversity, right? And then, or you could claim, what about the person who you squashed all that sort of 
urge to overcome things and basically made them set it like a potato and they yeah. get heart disease because they're not doing stuff i mean this is an extreme example right yeah, yeah. like it's not an either or but also at the same time like when you teach somebody that everything has to be safe you have to be like you have to feel comfortable yeah what the fuck are you teaching them well this this is it and i think what's interesting is like you know everyone has different kind of uh barriers you know, or like levels of resistance. And like your your parents can't teach you that. You have to learn that. You have to learn where your subjective kind of like barrier is to things and where like your resistance goes to. And this whole thing of like knocks, if you stop them, then you stop them from finding that ability and also to over, because they have to overcome adversity to get to that point, to understand where that resistance is, mm-hmm. you know? And like- But they also- you get used to having setbacks, you know, you get yeah. used to like, well, things not going away and then overcoming it. And like, that is essentially like the human journey. I love this, the Hydra thing. I get it. Like you chop mm. off one head and then you've got eight other problems afterwards yeah. or seven. Um, it just makes sense that your life is just full of like, if you're, if you do take this like thing true, which I do believe to be true, you're always at this position going for B and B can be because of like hunger drives. It can be through sexual drives, like trying to get you to this, this new stage, right? Cause if we didn't have this new stage, we would never act. Right. And yeah, I get yeah, that. Yeah. It makes yeah. so much sense that you're going to have this. You're always here. You have trying to, to find somewhere else. Right. If you don't learn that, like you can't always attain this unless you work hard and you overcome all the barriers, yeah. then you just, if you just, if people give you the B, what the fuck do you do with your yeah. life? Or also, like, it's not, it's not a relevant B. Yeah, yeah. Like, how yeah. can I give you, like, once again, go back, I, how can I give you a B if I don't know your A? True. You know, so parents constantly give their kids a B. And obviously, you know, with... Yeah. with like, go to like, law school, go to this, do that, or... Yeah, like, exactly. And it's like, but you don't know them, you don't know what their kind of interest and all that kind of thing is, or what their actual B is, because you don't know what their A is. Yeah. And I think, like, this, this, like like you just said basically this is just teaching them how to turn chaos into order you know and yeah. if you constantly interrupt that then well they're pretty much stuffed because they won't be able to well, tackle I, I, problems I, I do think there is like from what i can see at least a lot of confidence to be had from achieving something yourself yeah do you get me in the sense of like these skateboarders i mean like they're using use a skateboard as an example but it involves anything where it involves some level of danger and overcoming it well they're understanding it's it's proved yeah and they're proving to themselves that they can overcome adverse or like as we keep saying this but they they can prove to themselves they can overcome any problem to solve what they need to do or do what they need to do and it's a good thing to have yeah it builds like especially if you look at um i was looking at video games so i'm reading that gamer's brain yeah and what's really interesting is this idea of like the incentive reward system and like so first of all gaming in my head i could use pokemon as an example here but they make it very clear what your goals are in the sense of like in a video game you very much get orientated to your immediate goal so let's just say you go into an open world video game they have a hud they give you a health whatever they give you like the checkpoint to go to they show you what weapons are so basically you've got a good understanding of like a and then b is like your goal right sorry yeah i I hope i'm gonna get this correct and you throughout the video game obviously you're traversing to b and you get feedback that you're getting to b via xp points when you're killing people or finding new weapons you are increasing your competence based on the actions you're taking and you're getting feedback when you skateboard if you fall over less and less 
you are building up this competence level, which you feel cues you to go more further and further forward. But if I sit you in a classroom and say, you're not allowed any danger, I've got to protect you from everything that's outside, you're never going to build up that competence level or the ability to solve stuff yourself. Because in a video game, like I'm not listening, my mum's not telling me, oh, Jess, look over there, watch out, there's a guy who's going to kill you. You build up this competence in yourself to deal with the environment, as you will, or or a task that you're after. The reason why people get addicted, like, fine, the reason why people in life end up with all these different things, like somebody's good at music, somebody's good at art, somebody's good at this, is because they find it early, they get in and they build up competence and they, yeah. it's like a feedback loop of that competence and they yeah. follow it all the way. And yeah. the point here is if they're doing something which is they're building competence on and it might be slightly dangerous, just don't stop them. Yeah. Let them, let them do it. Let them find out let for them themselves. Let them find their own, their own yeah. like, you know, barrier or whatever. Um, yeah, it's so funny. Literally, as I was walking back home today, I walked past a bus and there was an advert on it and it was for a mask and it said, stay safe in your bubble. <laughs> and I was just like, fucking hell. Just like, we're, we're all going to be walking around with those like fucking bubbles. Yeah, zorbles. You know, we're not allowed to touch anyone or even like talk to anyone. Like everyone just is already like, I would love to know how much delivery has shot up at the moment. People yeah. don't go outside. They're, they're about People... to go. They're about to IPO. Yeah, I, so. I read something the other day that said that like um, uh, people from the age of eighteen to thirty, it's like eighteen percent of them aren't having sex anymore. Oh, I really, yeah, because because of, of yeah. it. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine. It's ridiculous. Can you imagine like, what's gonna happen? When they all get let loose. <laughs> oh my god, mate! It's gonna be havoc. It's gonna be yeah, chaos. Gonna... We're gonna turn it into <laughs> order, mate. <laughs> Uh, right last last, one mate last one it's been a long one this has indeed been a good one though um this one was really really abstract and weird wasn't it it was like the cat when you encounter one on the street what was the reasoning for this again i remember because he talked about dogs for a while and then he was like i what what was it what was why was it why was it about petting a cat mate can you remember so I didn't actually get many notes on this. One. This is what I mean. Um, I kind of, I'm, my interpretation of it would be like you have to enjoy some of the moment. Like that was it. enjoy the small things, wasn't it? It was like yeah. I think it was something along the lines of the life's made up of all the small moments, and you should enjoy them as you can, and not you know you should take a moment to yeah to to relax and enjoy the moment for what it is. And yeah. that was the idea of just petting a cat as you see it on the street. And he, he did say you could do it to a dog too. It's not uh, discriminatory towards uh, yeah. cats. <laughs> I, think, but, uh, I, think, I think my big, my actually, my big point with this was that he was kind of saying like, you know, like complexity happens, chaos happens, you know, shit happens basically. You know, people die, people like loved ones die, like there's illness and it's all, kind of you have to kind of learn to love the the bad with the good yeah you know, the i know good, I, I agree it's with like, that, yeah and, and it's like human life is suffering and you should try and find all the silver like all, all the nice things in the small like almost irrelevant things in your life yeah do you get me? And, uh, that doesn't have, like do you get me like the cat's patting the cat doesn't have a meaning it's like still yeah. enjoy the moments which doesn't have yeah. meaning because they're fleeting and yeah. the, they're gone at some point yeah and 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 i think like my my main point from this what that i interpreted was that you know life is fucking hard it Mm. is hard to it's 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 effortful 
you have to genuinely make an effort to overcome adversity which is constant there's always things pushing you down saying like you know be lazy don't try all that kind of thing and it's in your face all the time and so it's kind of humbling for you to be able to overcome that Mm -hmm. it's humbling for you to be able to deal with these situations and still keep going Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 um it's worthy in itself and so like being able to do that is such like a such a tremendous thing it's um yeah basically we should give ourselves a pat on the back yeah it's like we all have our own problems we all overcome them so it's like you know take a take a moment to realize that and actually realize the the courage that's within you almost i guess and And, and like he mentions this loads in his lectures and in his talks it's like life is fucking difficult you know the fact that we're even in a society that works the fact that plumbing electricity all these things that can only come about from like a collective um contribution you know all these things have come about and so it's amazing that we're even here so be like thankful for that and make sure you're thankful for everything else that kind of occurs yeah we've lost our sense of gratitude almost right yeah it's like we're always focusing so much on these problems yeah and I think yeah. I think that's that's like from the whole book in general, that's my takeaway. First of all, the it's core a, is like try your hardest to like it. A lot of it is like build your self dependency, build your self worth by actually tackling problems, overcoming them, creating character. Your goals, be specific, be, specific. With, be as specific as you can, basically. Yeah. With things like don't just go, oh, I want to be fitter. Yeah. Or I want to have I want to have a girlfriend. You know, that's not. Like be more specific with things. Don't lie, or at least yeah. Was it yeah? Or don't was it? Tell the truth, or at least don't lie. Yeah. Um, I think uh, that's interesting. People could do with telling the truth more. Like well, if somebody I if something so. annoys somebody, you just be like, oh, you're not a bit like well, as I said, we did what I did with Will personally. It was like, I just tell the truth. I'm, I'm I started doing it in my life, mate, and I feel a lot better for yeah. it. Yeah. It's almost like I tell you what's interesting when you when you withhold the truth you do repress it and you actually it molds in your mind do you get me I've, i feel like this is a big thing if you repress something which you know you by instinct you have to do or you should do you the repressed feeling actually makes you feel anxious or like yeah. it makes you it, i don't know i don't know how to explain it apart from the fact that you are conscious of it and it remains yeah. conscious in your mind until you speak of it it's like why do people yeah. enjoy therapy because they get to speak of their problems because they think most of the time that their friends aren't interested and do you know what if you ask people more like what do you mean by that I reckon they tell you more about their problems. Yeah. The majority of us just go, oh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? And then if somebody just went, oh, you don't sound that good, then they might open up. Yeah. But what happens is you just do the platitudes and then move on. They'll be like, oh, he doesn't care. Interesting. It is interesting. I think, I think it's so interesting because like telling the truth is there's ang- there's anxiety about telling it because you don't know how they're going to react, right? And it's like because- the honest you. But then the anxiety of not telling the truth, although it may be smaller and more tempting, that small anxiety builds up to more anxiety. It builds up to resentment of telling the truth. It builds up to resentment of like, why can't they? Because then you start acting out. You start doing like, well, this is it. You act. You're basically you start acting aggressively towards people. They're like, what's wrong? And then they still won't tell you. So the anxiety of telling yeah. the truth is like a one thing. It's like a one amount of anxiety that comes yeah. with it. Whereas lying is continuous. Yeah. And like, so that small amount of anxiety builds up over time, which ends up being more than the actual anxiety of telling the truth. The, the other day, for example, I was trying to think up of an excuse why I hadn't, um, why I didn't want to do a talk for one of my like research teams and uh, <laughs> to like one of my professors. 
And then I was like, you know what? Like, there's just no point in even lying, even though it's tempting. Yeah, so you I, just told him like, you didn't want to do it. You just said, I didn't want well, to do no, it. Well, no, I just said, like, I didn't want to do it right now because I'm busy and everything like that. Oh, cool. And I just didn't, but I didn't, I, like, the, the pressure there was like, oh, he's going to see me as someone who's not very, like, you know, ah, got, got together and all that kind of thing. And yeah. so that's the temptation. But it's like, you, you know, it's not worth it. That's interesting, it. actually. That's an interesting example. That's a good point. Like, yeah, you do it all the time, don't you? Like, yeah. If you, yeah, if you say something, you'd be like, oh, I can just slightly bend it here to be in my favor almost. That's it slightly bend it so they think better of me yeah anyway mate that's gonna we'll call it there yeah Um, yeah that was fun sounds good well hopefully that piqued your curiosity guys after all that's why we're here if you'd like to know more about this book head on over to our website wisewords.blog and if you have a particular book in mind you think we should review send us a dm to our instagram at wisewordsblog Until next time, guys, have a good one.